I like that song. I don't know if y'all look forward to heaven, but I do. It's going to be great. All right, I'm going to jump right in because I said I had a really short message and it got longer. <laughs> I had way too many pages, so I'm going to go a little quicker. But if um, you could throw my slide up with my definitions on it. See if we can get that up there. Worthy. Tonight we're going to talk about lies to leaders, twisted truths to make you fail. Doesn't that sound like a good book? Maybe I can talk somebody in this church into group writing it. We have a few people with some experience. Anyway, that there's two definitions of worthy I want to look at tonight. One is an adjective. Having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. The word we're going to focus on that one is abilities. So worthy, as an adjective, has to do with the person's abilities. People would honor you or bring you special acknowledgement because of your abilities. Worthy used as a noun, though, is a person notable or important in a particular sphere. So there's a person, they say, that person is worthy of their calling, worthy of something. That means they're important in a particular sphere. It doesn't mean they're, partic- they're important in every sphere, in every situation. It means there is a particular situation where that person is worthy to be doing what they're doing. And I want to look at tonight what that means to be worthy to do what you're supposed to be doing. So we're going to jump in and read about John the Baptist. We're going to read two or three scriptures. The first is Luke chapter 1, verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right hand of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the ungodly. So there's quite a prophecy about John the Baptist here. But then we see in Matthew what John does as a man. He sounds like he's going to be like, Elijah, he was not your prophet that was calm. You didn't see Elijah washing anybody's hands. Elisha was the prophet that washed Elijah's hands. But Elijah was the fire from heaven prophet. And it said that John the Baptist would be like Elijah. So in Matthew 3, verse 1 through 3, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Shouting in the wilderness. Have you ever gone and heard a preacher and you thought, man, I just felt like I got yelled at. You know, people get excited or they feel like they have a problem and they're shouting. John was shouting. He wasn't washing anybody's hands either. And to be that type 
of, of prophet. He had to be confident in his calling of what God had called him to do from birth. But let's read about what it says in Matthew 3, 11 through 15. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's that fire again. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. In these passages, John is represented two ways. He's chosen. He's the prophet. He is bringing, making the way for the Messiah. He is moving the people out of the way that might be in the way. He knows he's a miracle child. He's filled with the Spirit. And then he knows that his job is to turn the hearts of the people to God. He seems confident in the words that he says, in his actions, what he does. He calls out the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. And he doesn't seem to be afraid. When he was called to make way for the Messiah, he's making way. He is brushing away people out of the way. He's like, repent and be baptized or you're hypocrites. Get out of the way, you religious leaders, you hypocrites. That's really powerful words. There hadn't been a prophet in Israel for years. So for someone to show up on the scene and make these kinds of demands, it was strong. So we see John the Baptist as this strong prophet making the way for the Messiah. But then the Messiah he's been talking about appears. They haven't been traveling together. They haven't been buddy-buddy it's entirely possible they knew each other as children. We don't know anything about their growing up years. But at this point, John the Baptist is in his ministry as the prophet. He's not Jesus' cousin. He's not, hey, this is my buddy coming in to preach for me this week. Everybody show up. No, this is the prophet. And Jesus is completely in his role of the Messiah. And so John says all these prophetic things... But when he appears and Jesus says, baptize me, John steps back. He says, whoa. Suddenly John doesn't sound so confident. He says, you are the Messiah. I can't baptize you. Who am I? You need to baptize me. He was unsure how to respond in the presence of the Messiah. He knew he was coming. He knew what he was supposed to do. But when the Messiah got there and, and looking at himself in the light of Jesus... This powerful prophet that was bold beyond what anyone had seen for years was unsure of himself. But he's obedient to Jesus. He even is obedient to the point where some of his disciples come to him later and say, this Jesus is baptizing people. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And John says, no, he must increase and I must decrease. And even sends some of his disciples Go follow Jesus. They stop following John. Later, we see John begin to question Jesus. 
concerning him being the Messiah after John was put in prison, he sends a messenger in Matthew 11, chapter Chapter 11, verse 1, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, so he's been sitting in prison, the great prophet. He's prepared the way, he's done everything he knows to do, and now he called out a king, he made a woman mad, and he's in prison. Hell has no fury, and she's got him in jail. The king's got him in jail. But he won't kill him yet, but he's in jail. And John the Baptist, sitting in prison, begins to feel unsure again. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? If this wasn't the Messiah, had he done his job? He's questioning, have I done what I'm supposed to do? Have I done what I'm called to do? If he's not the Messiah, then I need to be doing more. But if he is the Messiah, what am I supposed to do? He needs to know. He needs reassurance. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. John was comparing himself to the Messiah. It can be real easy when we compare ourselves to somebody else to turn away, to walk away. I'm not worthy anymore. I'm not needed anymore. I'm not in the role I used to be, so I'm not needed. So if nobody wants me, I'm going home. Have you ever felt that way before? You don't want me here. I will leave. I have. I've said those words before. (laughs) A lot comes out of my mouth to repent for. But God says to John, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. So he's saying, John, don't compare yourself to me and walk away from me. You've done your job. You did what you were called to do. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of the wind? Because the crowds heard this. The crowds heard this question. The great prophet has just questioned, is this really the Messiah? And so Jesus says, did you go out to see somebody that was weak? He's reaffirming. This man was not some weak, come follow me, come and see the rainbow. No, he said, repent. And he called people out. Or Jesus says, or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Let's pause there. What is Jesus doing? He reaffirmed to everybody that knows John is prison. Everybody in this crowd, he reaffirmed. John is the prophet. John was called to this, and this is what John did. He did what he was supposed to do. But then he makes a unique comment. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So he affirms John's calling to the crowd. Even though John's unsure what's going on, he affirms his calling, and then he says, but 
Even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than this great prophet. How can that be? Remember, I know one of the sermons last year talked a little bit about about the culture and the honor-shame culture. So Jesus honored him greatly and then shamed him. It seems. It seems that it would be a great honor. But then he says, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than this great prophet. Why do you think he did that? It was very deliberate. Verse 12, And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets in the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Jesus expressed that John was a prophet, that he was called and that he was mighty. And at the same time, he said, even the least is greater than him. Why would he say that? I believe it's because of the two differences in worthy. If you could put that slide back up, the descriptions of worthy. Because Jesus was not complimenting John for his abilities. He was not saying John is worthy because of what he did. He was saying John was worthy because he was important in his time period. He was important to do what he needed to do. When John was strong and confident in his calling, he didn't express doubt. He didn't express doubt with the people. He didn't express doubt with the Pharisees. He knew that his time would decrease. He knew that Jesus was coming and would increase. But when he stood by Jesus, suddenly he felt unsure. As he sat in prison, uncertainty began to eat at him. Every one of us are called by God to serve in his kingdom. Each one of us tonight, we're talking to leaders. Everybody, and even if you're not a leader, you don't feel like you're a leader here tonight, everyone is called to serve in God's kingdom. That's what Jesus was saying. Every person in the kingdom of God is important. But Satan's always trying to find a way to deter us from responding to God's call and fulfilling his plan. And he knows that we will spot a lie. The little kid that comes up to you with chocolate all over their mouth, and you're like, did you eat the cookies? No. Well, everybody knows. But the kid who went and brushed their teeth afterward comes back you're like did you eat the cookies not recently when are you talking about yesterday when you gave us permission and they learn to maneuver it a little bit so you have to ask more questions to get to the truth satan knows we'll spot a lie so he must twist a truth to confuse and derail us he doesn't want to outright lie to us he needs to take something we know to be true and twist it He waits until a moment of failure, a moment of insecurity, or when we see someone else that we feel is really worthy. And I use worthy in that, the adjective, someone that has all of these abilities. And he's able to say to us, well, you're not worthy. You failed. You did this. Look at them. They they haven't. They have never failed. (laughs) We don't think of this person Um, as made worthy by God. 
We think they are worthy because of their actions. We think and compare someone to Jesus. We don't, you don't think, oh, I'm comparing them to Jesus. But when you compare somebody to yourself and you think they've never failed, they've never done anything wrong, or they're worthy because they have so many abilities, you're comparing them to Jesus. We're saying they have no faults and no failures, and they are worthy because of their own actions. John keenly felt his own unworthiness standing beside the Messiah. But none of us are Jesus. John didn't feel unworthy standing by the Pharisees, the religious leaders, or the people. Satan wants you and I to feel that others have a worthiness that we don't. By using the truth that we are not worthy. Have you ever said, I'm not worthy? Because we're not worthy. We're not worthy of salvation. We're not worthy of, for what God has done for us. I hate it when somebody just says to me, oh, you, you so deserved that. I mean, when it's good. When it's bad, I'm like, yeah, I probably did. But, you know, you go and you have a vacation. They're like, I'm so glad you did that. You deserve it. I don't deserve that. It always makes me feel bad because I know I don't deserve it because we don't deserve anything good. But God has saved us and does thing, good things for us. We all have to push back, though, against the voice of Satan saying, you're not worthy. Because we know we're not worthy because of our abilities, unless we get a little prideful in our abilities. The Lord's really good at correcting us there. But we are made worthy by the saving power of Jesus Christ. Because of the call he has placed on it, it makes us worthy for the life that he has for us to live. So we are not worthy in our own right. We're not worthy in our own abilities, which is the adjective. But the noun, the person that is important in a particular sphere, once you are born into the kingdom of God, you are worthy. You are worthy to serve. You are worthy to, for the call that he has given you. John the Baptist was not a worthy man. He said, I'm not even worthy to be Jesus' slave and unlatch his sandals. But let's look at what Scripture says. He was worthy to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was worthy to baptize Jesus, the Messiah, because he was called to do so. Not because he had special abilities, but because that's what John was called to do. And when God says, even the least in the kingdom is more important than John the Baptist, if the least in the kingdom is doing what God's called them to do, no one else is more worthy than them. John the Baptist was made worthy by the one that called him, just like we are. Jesus explained to the crowds that John was very worthy to do what he was called to do, but he was not more important than anyone else. John was made worthy and fulfilled the calling of being one of the most powerful prophets of all time. But he was not made more worthy than anybody else who serves the Lord. Yet Satan wants to come in and say, they're more worthy, you're not. Because that's the only way he can keep you from stepping into what God has for you. He wants you to stand up by someone else and he wants you to say, I can't do this because they can do it better. It doesn't matter if they can do it better. God called you to do it. And you have a calling and you are worthy. We weren't worthy of salvation, but when we were saved, when we were washed in the water, when we were covered by the blood of Jesus... Now we are made worthy by the blood of Jesus. 
And so one of the lies that Satan teaches, tells leaders is you're not worthy, you messed up, you failed, you can't lead, you can't teach, you can't serve, there's many more people, just quit. Come sit on a pew, you just be that faithful person, God doesn't have anything for you to do. You don't have any abilities, you destroyed yourself out in the world, you can't do anything. He wants to convince you, you don't have to have abilities. I, have, I had, knew a man in, in California that came to the Lord after completely destroying his brain on drugs. He couldn't hardly put a sentence together. And would you believe when the Lord saved him, he didn't completely heal his mind, but that man served in the kingdom of God. He didn't have the abilities, but God called him to something. And he said, you are worthy because you are mine. And that is enough. And don't stand by somebody else and say, I'm not worthy, I can't serve, I can't do a job, I can't do this. I can't live for God and actually be a benefit to the kingdom because I'm not worthy, because you're not worthy. But he made you worthy, and he made me worthy. And we can serve in his kingdom because he made us worthy. So we're going to do something a little different. Sister Regina and I, we're going to sing a song. There's going to be some words up here because... They teach you in kindergarten, if you want to remember something, you sing about it, right? So we're going to play and sing a song, and I want you to sing with us about how God makes us worthy, each and every one of us.